Welcome to Rob and Tony's Cinematic Adventure. I'm Rob Wilson. And I'm Tony Daquano. Today we are going to be talking about Return of the Jedi. We're going to complete the original Star Wars trilogy. And before we get started, I just want to say, uh, spoiler alert, we are going to be talking about every bit of the movie. And uh, we may be talking about some other, you know, side Star Wars things, some of the TV shows and other Star Wars movies. Uh, Briefly, we're going to try not to spoil any of those as best we can. But we are definitely going to be spoiling everything about Return of the Jedi, pretty much. So, uh, spoiler alert, if you have not seen it yet, pause this podcast and go watch it and then come back and finish the podcast. Unless you don't mind spoilers, then just keep on listening. But, uh, But, yeah. No, that's out of the way. Oh, and also, by the way, I think last time in the uh, Empire Strikes Back one, I think I mentioned briefly that that was the first time we saw Boba Fett. I know it's not. He was in the holiday special in a cartoon, so that just meant that he that was the first live action appearance of him in is, uh, Empire Strikes Back. So the holiday special on Disney Plus. It is not. I it is not. It I the holiday special is uh, George Lucas refused to do. He hated it. And so he had actually gone on record saying that if he could track down every copy that was in the world, he would go after every one of them with a sledgehammer. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so, yeah, no, the holiday special is not currently on Disney+. Plus. But I heard a rumor that they might be considering putting it on there someday. <laughs> but right. I don't know how how accurate that is. So don't quote me on that. <laughs> but, okay. uh, but yeah, so Return of the Jedi. So when last we left our people in uh, Empire, Han had been frozen in carbonite and taken by Boba Fett somewhere. We don't know where yet. Well, we do kind of know it's Jabba because... That's what they've been talking about the whole movies, like both yeah. the movies. Job is after him. So it's assumed, but is it really ever actually clearly stated that he's taking him to Java? No, it doesn't. Yeah, I didn't think so. But we do know that he works for Java and Jabba's the one that wants him. There's, so there's enough yeah. to gather. Yeah. There's enough um, for it. No, so good picking up on that part of the cliffhanger to try to figure out, you know, what's gonna happen. You know, most people know you know, even watching it later, kind of know that Han's probably going to be okay, right? Yeah. But it's a you know, good pickup to kind of figure out where it's going to go. Yeah, at least, or at least they hope that he's okay because, you know, Harrison Ford didn't sign a three-movie deal like everybody else did. He was going move by, movie by movie, which is why they had yep. him frozen in Carbonite. So that in the chance that he didn't come back for Return of the Jedi, and uh, they could have an excuse for why he's not there. And do we, I guess, uh, beginning of the movie, do we know what Luke and Leia, everyone else has been up to? Uh, just that Luke know, is, got his new, he hand. new hand. Yeah, he got his new hand and then uh, gazed off into space with Leia and R2 and C-3PO looking out the huge window of the, uh, or the viewport of the medical frigate. It's, it's an interesting start. Because, you know, there's a lot that's obviously unresolved. That's not that uncommon, I guess, for the, the middle part of a trilogy, right? Yeah. But even with the Empire, like, yeah, you know, there's no Death Star. What are they up to? What are they doing? So, yeah, there's a lot of question marks going into it. I think it's interesting because, you know, obviously Empire is very bleak at the end. And the tone of Jedi is very different. Yeah. Very <laughs> much so. Uh, especially the special edition. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't take that long to even shift that tone. Yeah. Yeah, I mean... You're watching it all in a row, right? You know. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it starts out, you know, we got R2-D2 and Z-3PO going to Jabba's palace, where, unbeknownst to 3PO, Luke is gifting them to Jabba. (laughs) 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 But it's all part of his plan to break Han out of there. Pretty elaborate plan. It is. It's a very elaborate plan. I mean, he had to have been a master chess player, because... How could he be so moves so many moves ahead to know that uh, like all the steps that Job was going to take? R two had Luke's lightsaber inside him. How did he yes. know all this was going to go about so that R two could launch the saber to Luke? <laughs> 
I mean, was it was that specifically planned for doing at the Sarlacc pit, or was it you know does R two have an adjustable launcher that it doesn't necessarily have to send it so far? You know, could he just like slowly raise it up and have Luke just pick it up out of him? Yeah, I don't think I've ever really thought about that question. I can, you know, I understand having like Lando on the inside, kind of spying, scoping things out. But yeah, it's an elaborate yeah. plan. I mean, and it's been, I guess, you know, he's been training as a Jedi more in the gap of that time. Yeah, and it, and it, it makes sense for him to, you know, hide his lightsaber. And not take it in with him because I think he figured that part of his plan, of course, was was probably to get captured. Or at least he didn't want the guards to take his lightsaber away when he got to the palace. So it was smart of him to hide it. But you really have to wonder how far ahead was he thinking with that? Right. Was he just think, was he, I mean, he obviously had the contingency that, yeah, things could go sideways. But was he hopeful that Jabba wasn't going to be that merciless? That he was just going to yeah. like... Potentially just accept a trade and be no violence. Yeah, I mean, it, when when uh, after after Luke gets captured and they're taking Han and Luke and Chewie to the cargo skiffs to go out to the pit of Carcoon, Luke wasn't acting like that particular part was part of his plan. Right. No. I mean, even you know, I don't think he he obviously didn't expect to be uh, dropped into the Rancor pit. You no. Know? No, but but he was, took out he the was rancor. Able to get himself out of that jam. Yep, yep. Uh, with the help of a uh, had to have been a femur, a leg bone, <laughs> someone's from femur. something. It looked like it was it was bigger than a than a human, so like a bigger alien kind of femur to to right. pry, to keep the the rancor's mouth open, and then a skull. So I mean, it, I guess he's lucky that the rancor was a messy eater. That he didn't throw away the, the trash from his meals. Yeah. And that nobody came in and cleaned up after him. Not even, not yeah. even his little, you know, his keeper. Because, yeah, you know, he, had yeah, he cropped its mouth open with a bone and then uh, threw a, a skull with a button to close the door and shut the door on its head. Then his poor keeper. The, the poor yeah. Rancor keeper. Which, if you've seen the book of Boba Fett, you understand that bond a lot better now. Yes, 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 you do. <laughs> Between the Rancor and its keeper, and you completely understand why the guy's la- is so uh, why the guy's crying so yeah so hard. But I, I've always loved that scene. Maybe Rancor's probably one of my favorite Star Wars monsters. Yeah, mine too. You know, I think uh, yeah, Jedi don't get mixed opinions, but I always think that scene and just the Rancor itself is always a highlight and a big positive. It's one of the things I find a lot of joy within Star Wars and just the creativity of that and the creation of it. Yeah. It goes back to what we were talking about in New Hope, just with Lucas wanting to recreate the serials and like that's that type of scene really um, captures it. Yeah, Incredible. it really is. The hero gets captured and then has to fight his way out, you know, against seemingly impossible odds. Against some big monster that you know your average person has no chance against. So then, then the question is, so the trap door that Luke falls down into, after he falls down in there, the platform that, uh, that Jabba is on moves up to cover the hole. Right. So then does it move back after the door closes so that it can move forward again after the next person gets dropped down there? <laughs> <laughs> or are there just several trap doors in a line that he just goes down the line and then once he gets to the end, just backs all the way up? <laughs> because they never show it going back because when the twilight dancer upsets jabba and he drops her down there the same thing happens the the platform goes forward covers up the hole for the trap door and then you never see it go back (laughs) so is it just you know, with each person that gets dropped down there, does does it just like a lot better. does it just make the area in front of his platform smaller, like the floor space in front of his platform smaller until he gets up to the wall and can't go forward anymore? And then just they just back him all the way up, and there's like <laughs> ten trap doors in a line. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, you never know how many people he might need to drop at one time. <laughs> <laughs> True. True. <laughs> And you'd think the people that go in there that like aren't being like aren't in 
handcuffs or anything like that, you'd think they'd you know, see the cracks for the trap door on the floor and not stand on top of it. <laughs> like Luke, he was he was just walking in there. He just walked in there, did a force choke on the uh, on the Gamorrean guards, and then just walked right past him. You know, did a, a mind trick on on Bib Fortuna, and just walked right in, in, into the throne room. So he wasn't bound or anything like that. To know uh, the trapdoor. Yeah, I mean, I'm I'm sure he <laughs> felt the uh, the life force of the Rancor below him. So even if he didn't see the trapdoor, then you know he probably thought, well, there's probably a way for him to get me to this big monster that's down there. Right. So and the best place logically for that to be would be right in front of Jabba's platform. So maybe don't stand there. Like, you know, I get that Jabba is, you know, he's able to block his mind enough so that, you know, Luke's not going to try to do any tricks on him necessarily, or yeah. at least to kind of know his mind. Jabba's, you know, he's wise enough for that. Yeah. And the Jedi mind trick only work, works on the weak minded. And I guess right. huts, or at least most huts, aren't weak minded. But, uh, one other question that I have. When Luke fell down the trapdoor, he had used the force to pull somebody's blaster out of their holster, and he had it in his hand when he went down there. What <laughs> happened to it when he hit the floor? Why didn't he just shoot the rancor? <laughs> <laughs> he had it in his hand when he fell down uh, the trapdoor. <laughs> but he didn't have it when he got to the bottom of the, of the uh, slide. So do you drop it on the way down the slide and it got lodged somewhere in there? Because, I don't if I'm going down, if I'm getting dropped into a Rancor pit and I have a gun with me. I'm using it. And I'm using that gun to protect myself against the Rancor. Hey, if I dropped it, I'm fine in it. Yeah. <laughs> so, so what's up with that? Good question. <laughs> you know, it, I guess it was in the script. But yep. uh, just... Yeah, hoping that nobody noticed that the gun disappeared. So what do you think of you know, the whole, like, I guess, even like Leia's plan? So no. Leia's plan, you know, she was disguised as, as the bounty hunter Bosch, who was a retired bounty hunter at the time, and she got a hold of his uniform. And uh, mm-hmm. she was taking Chewie in there as a prisoner to get the bounty for him so that uh, all of them could be in the same place, I guess, to break Han out. You know, so she used Chewie as her access to Jabba's palace, where then later on that night, she went and uh, thawed out Han from the Carbonite. So, I mean, I thought it was, I thought it was a, a solid plan. Um, it was, it was clearly, you know, part of the overall plan for everybody, but I still don't quite understand why everybody had to get themselves captured in order to break <laughs> one guy out. I mean, Lando was pretending to be one of the guards. So couldn't he have just snuck in there, thawed Han out, and then, like, snuck out with him? (laughs) (laughs) We need the dramatic escape. (laughs) That's essentially what it is. Yep, yep. I guess there there (laughs) wouldn't be a big pit with a creature in it that... uh, you know, when it eats you, it takes a thousand years for you to digest. Lucky for some of them, not lucky for most of them. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, somebody like, you know, Yoda, who can live for hundreds of years, you know, maybe he could build a little summer home in, in the Sarlacc's stomach while he's waiting to be digested. <laughs> 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 Build a fire. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Hey, in Empire, Han and Leia were walking around inside a space slug's mouth. So, on, like, walking around on its tongue. So, why couldn't Yoda <laughs> build a little hut inside yeah. Sarlacc's stomach? <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so speaking of Yoda, he showed up in this movie again. Awesome Yoda. <laughs> Love Yoda. Um, but uh, Not enough Yoda in this movie. Yeah, but he wasn't as active as he was in Empire. In this one, he was uh, quite tired. He was napping a lot until <laughs> he just napped himself to death, basically. <laughs> it's like that, that meme, you know. You seen that meme? It's like, well, I never understood why Yoda would just die after Luke asking him all these questions. Yeah. And then I became a dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, see, I haven't seen that meme. I thought you were talking. I thought you were going to talk about the one... Uh, 
where with Yoda kind of opening his eyes and it says the force awakens and then it shows him with his eyes closed and says the force needs five more minutes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So after the whole Sarlacc pit battle, which was a pretty awesome scene, it was a pretty awesome scene action sequence. Yeah. Where we, uh, Luke's new lightsaber that he built because he lost his other one when his hand was cut off makes its debut and it's green instead of blue. Which that was because they originally wanted it to be a blue lightsaber. Because Jedi would have blue, Sith would have red. Yep. Or at that time, Sith wasn't even a thing. So good guys blue, bad guys red. But the blue lightsaber blended in too much with the blue sky of Tatooine. So they changed the color to green mm-hmm. so that it would show up better on camera. Or in the effects and, it and stuff. So it worked. It was an awesome green lightsaber. And it introduced a new color to lightsabers that has been used ever since in just about every Star Wars movie. Yeah. Ever since. So, yeah, after that scene where all that happens, where they defeat Jabba after Jabba makes Leia his slave. Yeah. But yeah, after Jabba makes Leia his slave, then she strangles him with the chain that he has her hooked to. And just a very great scene there. It's kind of graphic, you know. It is. It it really is. Then you know Luke or Leia aims the uh, the gun for the sail barge at the deck, and Luke fires it as he swings off of the sail barge with Leia yep. in his arms. And then uh, the barge blows up, and uh, they escape on one of the skiffs. But they don't forget the droids. They pick them don't up. The droids. But yeah, yeah then Han, so he was still blind essentially. Yeah. Because he's spent how long? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he had he had uh, he he went temporarily blind because of the carbonite. But uh, according to Leia Bosch, his eyesight would return in time, yes. and apparently it returned quick enough for him to be able to fly the the Falcon off of Tatooine. Because I mean, uh, I'm assuming that he's the one flying. It never actually shows him in the in the cockpit. It, I guess it could have been Lando or Chewie flying, but letting anyone else, yeah, yeah. I mean, Lando could fly it, yeah. yeah. And Chewie could fly it. Chewie's the co-pilot, so he's allowed to fly it anytime he wants. But yeah, so they they split up. Luke goes to Dagobah to see Yoda, and Han and Leia and Chewie and uh, Lando go to the Rebel fleet. And so, yeah, there's where we have Yoda explaining to Luke that, yes, Darth Vader is indeed his father. Right. Confirmation. So, uh, which that was put in there because they were afraid that with Darth Vader telling him that he's his father in Empire, that kids would not believe him because Darth Vader's a bad guy and they'd think that he yeah, was lying. That's a terrific point. So they wanted to confirm it from Yoda. So they wanted Yoda to con- to confirm to Luke. Trust that- the grandfather of Yoda. Exactly. Evil. Exactly. So yeah, so Luke keeps on asking Yoda all these questions and then Yoda <laughs> dies because Luke's annoying him. <laughs> he's annoy he annoys him to death. <laughs> it's like it's like you're worse than your father yes yeah. but I, I also don't understand so when when luke left dagobah and empire yoda's big complaint was that luke's training wasn't complete yes but when luke comes back to complete his training yoda tells him that his training is complete all he it's has complete. to do now is confront vader so what changed he knows it's not like he's been doing secret training with Ghost Obi-Wan. No, because we hadn't really seen Obi-Wan anywhere but Dagobah at that point. He, he, he showed up, Ghost Obi-Wan showed up on Hoth. But ever since then, he was just on Dagobah. So yeah. he was kind of just sitting there chilling with uh, with Yoda, you know, <laughs> playing bridge or something <laughs> on Yoda's front porch, waiting for Luke to show up. And they, they all meet up again uh, back with the fleet where they're planning the attack on the second Death Star. Yes, there's a second Death Star. A sec- of course. See? A bigger one. So big that J.J. Abrams copied it in every movie he's ever made. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Not literally every movie. But. No, I'm pretty sure was, there was a Death Star in Super 8. <laughs> was it Death Star on Alias or we're we not going to count as TV shows I well not one in every episode there might have been one a season <laughs> I mean even in Lost I think like the donkey wheel was essentially yeah. just like the Death Star yeah <laughs> <laughs> the frozen donkey wheel yep <laughs> would it be the, the donkey wheel or the cork oh yeah that's a good question maybe it's the cork 
Huh. <laughs> yeah. That's a discussion for but, another time. Yeah, that's a discussion for another time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so they, they, uh, they're on Home 1, the Mon Calamari Star Cruiser, where they get briefed on the new Death Star and uh, how they're going to try to destroy it. Can we give a shout out to Admiral Akbar? Um, <laughs> yeah. Admiral Akbar, one of the greatest alien characters in all of Star Wars. Without a doubt. Known for one line that, I mean, he has plenty more lines in the movie, but the only one people remember is, It's a crap! <laughs> and he says it so masterfully. But uh, but no, he he deserves a lot more credit than than uh, he gets, I think, because he, he's sort of become a meme in himself. He has. <laughs> Time became a cult favorite. And but, I think yeah. people got justifiably upset in episode eight. Yeah. That it's kind of unceremoniously. Uh, yeah. Anyway, if you haven't seen the sequel trilogies. Yeah, we're not going to spoil those for you if you haven't seen those. Um at least not on purpose. We're not going to spoil them on purpose. So, but uh, but yeah. So it's the the new Death Star is orbiting the forest moon of Endor. Endor is a gas giant planet with uh, a a forest moon that is also called Endor. So uh, it's also called the Sanctuary Moon. But uh, yeah. So there's a a shield generator that's putting a shield up around the Death Star. So people have to get the shield deactivated if they want to land on the Death Star. Or apparently if they want to land on Endor at all, because <laughs> when the rebels go down there, they ask to shut off the shield so they can land. Which doesn't really make much sense, because they're not actually landing at the shield generator or anything no. like that. They're landing on the outskirts <laughs> in the forest. Where they shouldn't have to go through the shield. But it makes for a, a tense sequence when they're on the shuttle flying down there and Luke senses Darth Vader on his Super Star Destroyer. Um, it does. And and he uh, regrets coming on the mission because he knows that Vader can sense him too. But then we have a very exciting sequence on Endor. So the speeder bikes are awesome. I wanted, I, I always wanted a speeder bike. Yeah, no, I don't blame you. And it, again, we can, you know, gone into some of the logic of Jedi, but it has some of the most exciting sequences. It really does. It really <laughs> does. I mean, they're they're speeding through the forest on basically motorcycles that hover, and they're going really fast and trying to avoid hitting trees, and that doesn't really work out very well for most of the people <laughs> who are riding them. <laughs> You but, know, like, everyone talks about, like, why don't we have flying cars by now? Get the flying cars. Let's just have, like, yeah. hovering motorcycles. Yes. Let's let's <laughs> let's have some speeder bikes. Yeah. Yeah. I want one. Yeah. So, and, and, and how how do you feel about Ewoks? So, that, that's always the question. So Because it, it seems to be, you know, if you're born before a certain date, then you love the Ewoks. If you're born after yes. that date, you hate them. Or, no, if you're born how before that. your mother tackles this well yes they do yes it does and because i think i caught jedi later as opposed to you know let's say you're that target target audience that was you know let's say you were born in the early 70s so maybe maybe you didn't catch the first star wars in theaters yeah i guess if you're if you're born earlier then you hate them if you're born at after a certain right. point then you love them no but if you're but, a yeah. ten, if you were a 10 year old in 1983 watching mm -hmm. jedi probably 11 the ewoks oh yeah right oh yeah you know obviously we're eight years old 11 the ewoks yeah by the time i really caught it you know i was well it's probably six seventh eighth grade something somewhere in there so i didn't hate it but it wasn't like oh ewoks are super awesome see i saw it when i was like 10 so i loved them i loved the ewoks and when what's interesting about it is that i remember asking some friends that were very well versed in Star Wars at that time, and like, oh yeah, what's your favorite Star Wars movie? Every one of them was Jedi, 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 Jedi. You know, now I don't know many people anymore that say it's Jedi, but my eight-year-old, and when he first saw the movie, seven, his favorite Star Wars movie is Jedi. Yep, because he loves the Ewoks. Yep. So and did you fun. watch? Did you watch it with him 
again this time? Yes. Okay, because you watched the other two with him. So yep. I, was, I was hoping that you watched this one with him too before the podcast to prepare. Yes, yeah, it's he loves he loves the Ewoks. He wants Ewoks, and, and it's funny, you know, to bring another movie in some ways, you know, in a very similar way, I guess, is like one of the, his other favorite movies right now is Sonic the Hedgehog. Right, solid movie, you know, and, and you have you know, very similar thing, you know, kind of these fun furry creatures, and yeah. I I just want to know like what was the 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 recon of the empire like they they were they not aware how advanced the Ewoks were? I don't know that it was that they're so advanced. It's they're primitive. You know that's right. that's the whole thing. You know they took out the empire with primitive weapons. True. Uh, so I think the the uh, empire just saw them and. They didn't think they were a threat because they're these little tiny bears with spears and bows and arrows and rocks. And so they figured that their six foot tall, fully armored, blaster wielding stormtroopers would be able to take them out. <laughs> Boy, were they wrong. Very, very wrong. <laughs> so, so, yeah. But yeah, I think that's what the what it was. Either that or the they just... You know, I I would imagine that they would have had to see them somewhere on the planet while they were building the the landing pad and the shield generator and all that stuff. You know, because I, I wouldn't think that the Ewoks would, would hide that much, you know. I don't know that they would be able to hide themselves for so long. No. Against the Empire. So it, it had to have just been that they didn't see them as a threat. Hubris. Uh, like yeah. I, I guess that's the other thing. Like, yeah, you know, the emperor is obviously this is where he's finally like heavily involved, and even he, it seems like he should be able to kind of sense potential outcomes. Yeah, but I mean, Luke, Luke even told him to his face that that uh, his overconfidence is his weakness. Yeah, it's true. But yeah, so so you know, we got the Ewoks, and uh, you know how the Ewoks came about? No, the Ewoks came about. Because originally George Lucas wanted a planet full of Wookiees, but then oh, he you know loved. I, I think I've heard yeah, then he loved the idea of having a Wookiee co-pilot for the mm-hmm. Millennium Falcon. And if he has a Wookiee co-pilot, then that kind of has to be the only Wookiee that's really focused on. So he yes. took his planet of Wookiees, cut them in half, and called them shrunk them down. And they they filmed that in the uh, Pacific Northwest, in the the redwood forests of uh, Northern California, and. Um, the whole time when they were filming out there, Peter Mayhew was not allowed to wear his uh, Chewy costume out by himself, you know, without other people around, because they didn't want people to uh, think that he's Bigfoot and get shot. <laughs> Which is a very, it's it's a very real concern out there. Very. <laughs> You know, when you're a seven foot three dude in a big hairy costume, I could and definitely he, walking around in the woods. I could definitely see how it could be Aldous easy to costume, mistake you for a Sasquatch. You might think he's Bigfoot. I mean, I'm sure. You know, I think you have. I, I've seen him in person. So have I. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. We saw him together. Yep. Yeah, we saw we saw Bigfoot at the same time. That's a story for another time, though. <laughs> it is a story for another time. It's a great story for another time, but uh, but yeah, I do I do want to get like around real quick what you're saying about the uh, being like the Northwest. I always thought that a lot of the location choosing is always kind of really like spot on. Yes, and they do a great job of making it feel like it's completely another world. Just like you know, even like the Tunisian desert. You know? Yeah, this is another terrific example of that. So yes, which they've gone back to over and over and over again in the movies and in the shows. And the show, it all the comes Indonesian back Desert. to Tatooine. <laughs> so there is a really funny thing that I noticed fairly recently uh, when I watched it about a year, year and a half ago. Uh, so part of the Rebel Strike Team is this old guy with a, with a big bushy beard. Yes. A big bushy white beard. Who... Forever has just been the old guy with a big wishy white beard. But then uh, mm-hmm. they went and made the uh, Clone Wars and then Rebels cartoons. And one of the major characters in Clone Wars especially is Captain Rex. 
one of the clone right. captains, one of the clone troopers. And then so he came back in Rebels, and uh, he has a big white bushy beard in Rebels, and regularly still wears his clone trooper armor and disguises himself as a stormtrooper on occasion and stuff like that throughout the course okay. of Rebels. And then at the end of Rebels, it is revealed that, uh, spoiler alert, that uh, he sticks with the Rebellion and fights at the Battle of Endor as part of the uh, strike team on the planet, you know, with everybody. And so that old white bearded guy on Endor has has sort of been retconned to be Rex. Interesting. Um, so there's one shot in the entire movie uh, where, you know, when they're going to try to uh, take out the shield generator and mm -hmm. get captured, right. the whole strike team, and they're all standing out there with their hands on their heads and stuff. Yes. Yeah. Um, where there's one shot of a group of rebel soldiers all in there in their camo and everything with the one old white bearded guy who is dressed like a scout trooper <laughs> without the helmet on, but his hands are up on his head. So you know that he is a prisoner and, and he's clearly the, the old dude that has been in with the group, but he's dressed like a scout trooper, which just even further confirms it has to be Rex because why would he be the only one putting on stormtrooper armor? Yes, it, it's it, it's awesome. <laughs> it just yeah, it just further <laughs> confirms that that guy is Rex, which is great because <laughs> Rex was one of my favorite characters in all of the Clone Wars show. In the Clone Wars era, yeah, Rex is my favorite non Jedi character. Okay, in that Clone Wars era, yeah, no, he's um terrific. Mm -hmm. You know, I've 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 seen probably about half of the Clone Wars episodes. And Charles and I are starting to go through kind of slowly, but yeah, he's uh great. Yeah. So anyway, I just thought that was funny. I, I busted out laughing when I saw that, <laughs> and I don't know why I hadn't noticed it before, but I, I just goes to show I've been watching these movies for decades now, and I'm still finding new stuff in them. So that just goes to show how, how great they are. How great, how, well how deep. Yeah. And I think, you know, it shows you just even, I think, the passion of people that enjoy it. You know, they've grown up, they grew up with it, and now they're expanding yeah. it. And like, if, and finding ways. And if, uh, you know, everything. when they created the character of Rex and had him go through his storyline in, in Clone Wars and Rebels, you know, it did they see that guy dressed like a scout trooper? that old guy dressed like a scout trooper and decide, you know what? We're going to build Rex up to be this guy. Yeah. And, you know, I think, you know, I just love it. Even, you know, Star Wars fans trying to find those little Easter eggs. Like, you know, when the Obi-Wan series, you know, you'll know the scene I'm talking about where, you know, Obi-Wan's looking through kind of like that trophy room. Right. Yeah. And they're trying to like pinpoint different Jedi that he sees. And again, it goes to show you how deep the universe is. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But yeah, so yeah, the, the Ewoks take out the Empire, you know, with the Rebels' help. You know, or the Rebels take them out with the Ewoks' help, however you want to look at it. Yeah. And destroy the shield generator so that the fleet can attack the Death Star. Yeah. Meanwhile, Luke had turned himself in to Vader, so Vader took him up to the Death Star, and they're meeting with, uh, with the Emperor. Emperor Palpatine. I've always thought this, you know, was like so consistent with Luke, even going back when so when he's kind of that simple like farm boy, really yearning to know who his dad really was. Yeah. Even never being like dissuaded hearing about you know first he thinks of him as his hero and then discovers who he really is. You know, he's holds out for that that hope. Yeah. Right? It's such a integral part of his character. Yeah, I mean he never knew his father as Anakin. He never, no. he never knew Vader as Anakin. He's, he's just known him as Darth Vader and knew that Anakin Skywalker was his father and Darth Vader was once Anakin Skywalker. So, yeah, it's just that, that whole that love that he shows, one of the most evil people in the galaxy, you know, that, that ultimately redeems him, that redeems Vader. Yeah. But it's, it's interesting, the whole, uh, you know, after failing to uh, get Luke to turn and become his new apprentice... Luke stands up and he says, I'm a Jedi like my father before me. Yeah. You know? Right. Acknowledging that to Vader, you know, Vader looking on, 
you know, seeing that Luke sees the good in him, that Luke sees the Jedi that Vader was before he turned. It goes back kind of, you know, as you're saying how Luke was just telling Palpatine, like, no, like, your arrogance is your, your weakness, yeah. right? And, you know, once you see it through, like, the, the prequels, like, yeah, like, Palpatine uses Anakin's desire to save the ones he loves the most. Yeah. The him. So, yeah. like, you know, obviously, once he sees Luke, his son, in danger, right? Yeah, because, yeah, I mean, if, if you remember, Anakin didn't have a father. Yeah, no. You know, and so when he sees Luke acknowledging that Anakin is his father, you know, Anakin doesn't know yeah. what it's like to have a father. Right, not at all. And Luke, you could argue, doesn't really know what it's like to have a father because he wasn't yeah. raised by his father. Yeah. You know, he was raised by his uncle, by his aunt and uncle. But, you know, you could see right there that, you know, something clicks in uh, Vader's mind where he realizes that, you know, he didn't have a father, but he is Luke's father. Yep. You know, he didn't have a father, but Luke does. And he seems to want, you know, with his little breath as he has left, wants to be the father that Luke never had and that he never had. Yes. But it is kind of funny, though, during their lightsaber duel, when Luke is standing at the top of the stairs, that that's at the point where Vader decides to say that Obi-Wan taught you well. <laughs> Obi-Wan <laughs> has taught you well because Luke has the high ground. <laughs> <laughs> Always the high ground. The, the last encounter before, you know, Darth Vader ended up in the suit <laughs> was... Obi-Wan had the high ground. <laughs> Obi-Wan told him he had the high Yes, Obi-Wan told him he had the high ground. And then when <laughs> Luke is standing him. at the top of the stairs and, and Vader is standing at the bottom of the stairs, that's when he decides to say, Obi-Wan has taught you well. <laughs> is that a coincidence? Or <laughs> did they you know, see that and think, you know what, let's, let's go ahead and put this line in episode three. <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but yeah, so we get some more great piloting by Wedge. Yes. You know, Lando is in the Falcon. After after promising Han that he's not going to put a scratch on the Falcon, he ends up tearing off the radar dish <laughs> and then getting it engulfed in flames as he's flying out of the Death Star, <laughs> out of the core. So I don't call that not a scratch. No. So, uh, Yeah. But still, so Lando's co-pilot is uh, Nien Nunb. He's a Sullustan. And did you know that the language that he's speaking is a real-life language? I um, did not know that. I am not surprised. I want to say it's Kenyan. I think is what it is. I think it's it's the Kenyan language. Okay, Kenya. It's if if not Kenya, it's one of the other African languages that Nien Nunb is speaking. Is that something that the actor knew how to spoke, or is this, was um, it written that way? I I don't know. Um, I don't remember if it was just written that way, or if that's just the actor's native language, and they just had him start talking like that, because it doesn't sound like most languages on Earth. Yeah. So most people watching the movie wouldn't pick up on it. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. It is. But yeah, so yeah, Wedge is now Red Leader instead of Red 2. <laughs> of course for the battle of Endor because in the first Death Star attack he was Red 2 but yep. he's now taking over the squadron and he's Red Leader we didn't get enough Wedge in, in the trilogy we really didn't <laughs> no. no very very minor character but yeah. very important character yes. uh, the books really uh, expand on Wedge and yeah and that's the again especially the, the X-Wing series they really expand who knows? Maybe he'll do Disney Plus. Will do a series. I mean, he did show up briefly Badge. in uh, Rise of Skywalker. Okay, he was the he was the uh, belly gunner on the Falcon, right during the final battle. So that was nice. Did you know that Dennis Lawson, the guy that plays Wedge, is Ewan McGregor's uncle? I did not know. Well, he is. So uh, yeah, uncle and nephew both ended up playing Star Wars characters. Cool. So Ewan McGregor, of course, was the young Obi Wan Kenobi. In the prequels, yep, and in the Obi Wan Kenobi Disney Plus show, 
And I'm sure yeah. he'll show up at some other point in time, too, because he's yeah. great in that part. He is great. And, yeah, I don't know what else we'll see him in. But yeah. I'd love to see him some more. Yeah, um, definitely. Which is impressive, given how well Alec Guinness yes. was in the role. Alec Guinness, somebody who hated being in Star Wars, <laughs> was so great in it. So great that, you know, he, as we said before in the past episode, was to this date the only uh, actor to be nominated for an Oscar for his role in a Star Wars movie. Mm Mm-hmm. And really, I guess, you know, now they have TV series, you know, no one's been nominated for an Emmy yet. Nope. Not yet. It's going to happen someday, though. Yep. I can see it. Yeah, it'll happen someday. Especially if they keep getting the great talent like... uh, like you and McGregor and all of them. So, oh yeah, it's it's also we didn't even touch on the fact that it's revealed that Leia is Luke's sister. Right. No, I was I was, I was kind of thinking about that earlier. Which know, makes their makeout sessions before really creepy. Really creepy. Now, I mean, granted, they didn't know that they were siblings at the time, but still, but still, it's still kind of creepy. <laughs> and yes, at the at the time when they when they. Uh, had that in the script, the fact that their siblings wasn't thought of yet, it wasn't put into the story yet, but still. Yeah. Still. The same, you know, Yoda could have said something before he just died. Yeah. Yeah, he, he totally could have. Um, he could have been like, yeah, Leia's your sister and you made out with her and uh, it's kind of creepy, Luke. <laughs> So. <laughs> no, but I think Leia was kind of obviously you see in the beginning, you know, she's trying to break Han out, and then she's an important part in the middle part of the movie, and then finally at the end, like we, she finally realizes, oh yeah, you know, she feels that connection herself with Luke, which she she felt you know earlier as well, um, in Empire, but yeah. It's, you know, obviously that other reveal at their sister. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, it's quite the reveal. And then, you know, Han is is all ready to back off and let Luke, you know, let let Leia be with Luke until Luke, uh, or until Leia tells Han that Luke is her brother. (laughs) (laughs) And then he does this big sigh of relief and, you know, but still doesn't mention that, you know, Leia made out with her brother to spite yeah, Han. She thinks that. Remember on Hoth when. That, that uh, kiss on Hoth. Yeah. Remember on Hoth when, um, I, when, when you were trying to prove a point to me and you made out with your brother? <laughs> <laughs> Just, to, yeah, you know. There's that, there's that something that, that, that he saves for, you know. He'll just bank that for a time when when he needs the blackmail or something. (laughs) (laughs) When he needs to get his way in an argument. (laughs) Whenever he wanted to leave the party, he's like, hey, um, Leia, remember that time with Hoff? Yeah. Yeah. They're, they're at a boring Senate hearing or something, and Han really wants to go home. He's like, hey, Leia, remember that time on Hoth? All right, oh, yeah, we got to go now. <laughs> oh, But obviously, you know, it, it plays into, or they, you know, I guess, is it even... Do they even say she's also? Does it really even? Yeah, she just mentions her dad. Doesn't really say that her actual dad is dead in any of the movies, right? No, no. Uh, that that whole thing is revealed in one of the books that you know the galaxy finds out that that uh, Darth Vader is Leia's father. Okay. In the book, I believe it's Bloodlines. All right. Um, takes place not too long. It takes place a few years later. But. Because, you know, prior to that, you just assume they they blew up. Yep. And, oh. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I mean, she says, you know, 
you fought with her father, you know, when yeah. she's trying to send a message to Obi-Wan. Yep. Hey, although in, uh, on that, uh, in the, in the message, she was talking about Bail Organa, her adopted yes. father. Correct. Uh, who Obi-Wan fought with, um, yeah. during the Clone Wars. Now he fought right, yeah, with her but, actual yeah, father so too just, during the Clone thinking, Wars, but. Yeah. You're not, you're just assuming it's her natural father when it was just her. Yeah. Yes. Adoptive yes. dad, you're not, just like you're Luke's. Not thinking that, you know, yeah, that Bail is her adopted dad. Right. And she's aware of that, obviously. Yeah. I can't imagine when I blood her now, and then obviously through Obi-Wan, you find out, yeah, yeah. she's well aware yeah. that she's very different than everybody else. Yeah, so uh, then Darth Vader dies in Luke's arms after throwing the Emperor into the Death Star's reactor and getting fried by his Force Lightning because it's still coming out of his fingers when, uh, <laughs> when he throws him down there to save Luke's life because Luke redeemed him with love. Yeah. Luke believed him, believed in him. He said with love. Yes, if Luke was one of Captain Planet's planeteers, he would be the heart kid. Heart. <laughs> the kid with the monkey. Whose <laughs> element is heart. The monkey kid. <laughs> is that an element? Is it really an element? Yep. Anyway. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. No. <laughs> But no, it's. I think it's always a terrific scene too. When yeah. Finally yeah, to they they had yeah very touching scene face to face. Very very touching scene between Anakin Skywalker and Luke. You know, after he has him, after he has Luke take his mask off, so he can so he can look on him with his own eyes. A very touching scene. It's it's quite sad actually that uh, it wasn't um, that it wasn't David Prowse. In yeah, the, in the scene, but it was. Sebastian Shaw. Yeah, it's still terrific scene. Like it reminds me. I mean, I don't want to get into like the previews, but there's just certain scenes with you know Anakin as a character that he, I think really shine, and that that's definitely one of them. Yeah, obviously. Yeah, it, it's acted well and it's sold well and presented well, and you can buy this guy that's this evil foreboding character having this. That, that that side of them, yes, absolutely. Yeah. And there was actually a fan film that was made where they actually got in touch with David Prowse and they remade that scene <laughs> with him in the in the scene. okay. Which, yeah. Which brings us, I guess, to I guess the victory party. Yes, yes, the victory party <laughs> on Endor, where you know you know those rebels were eating some stormtrooper. <laughs> <laughs> Because clearly the Ewoks eat people, because they were yes. going to cook them when they, when the Ewoks first captured the rebels, Luke. they were going to cook them and eat them. So then you have all these dead stormtroopers all over the place. They're playing drums on their helmets. All right, the Ewoks set up the stormtrooper helmets as a drum set. So what they do with the bodies? You know, they have these big bonfires and they have a lot of mouths to feed because they're now he's, hosting he's, the rebels. Burn them? So. Are they gonna, you know, cook up some stormtroopers and feed them to the rebels? <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they're not eating Ewok. No, no. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure the Ewoks, you know, food stores were, uh, you know, their their food pantries and stuff. They didn't have enough food for all of the rebels that were there, so they had to do something. <laughs> and people like to eat meat. So maybe they, they just cooked up burned the a lot of calories. Yes. Yeah. Maybe they cooked the stormtroopers up and then just didn't tell them that they were eating people. <laughs> <laughs> Especially since the only one that could really understand the Ewoks was C-3PO. So if the Ewoks <laughs> told the rebels that they were eating, you know, people, then they wouldn't understand them. So yeah. <laughs> Good question. Um, that's something that needs to be addressed. Like, officially. Did the Rebels eat Stormtroopers? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Someone has an answer out there for you on yeah. that, I'm sure. Yeah. We'll leave it in the comments. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, that, uh, I believe that is Return of the Jedi. It is. So, uh, um, again, it's, I think, a fitting end. Yes. To the trilogy. Yes. Probably would be my 
third choice of the trilogy. I think in yeah. terms of the special editions, I think it has the most glaring yes, the most glaring, editions uh, that editions. I wish weren't at it. But that is what it is. But it's a terrific end to trilogy. Yes. It's yes, um, it like any any good trilogy needs a really good ending. And, yeah. And it has it. It is an excellent, solid ending. You know, good and triumphs over um, evil. And if they didn't want to go back and make the other movies, then it would have been a great, you know, it would have been a fitting end. It would have been a fitting end. Exactly. And, you know, I was, you know, I think looking back at it, I think I'm glad to have the prequels, obviously. I know people have varying opinions on them. Yeah. But I think um, the prequels in particular add, you know, a lot to what you see in the trilogy. They do. They add so much backstory. So when you rewatch the original trilogy, you know, you, you can't help but think about some of those things from the prequels and see how some of this stuff actually came to be. Yeah. And even the sequel trilogy, you know, to a certain extent. I mean, when you're watching the originals, you because you, you know what's coming with yeah. the sequels. You know, you know what happened yeah. afterwards. So it helps to uh, really understand things a little bit better. But yeah, like I've said a million times before, I love this movie. I love the, all those Star Wars movies. I do. Me too. Um, They're beloved for a reason. Yeah. And a and timeless. This is one of the ones that, you know, the original trilogy, I can watch over and over and over and over and it never gets old. Absolutely. Even the even the prequels and the sequels, I can watch over and over. Mm-hmm. You know, but the original trilogy, especially, I can watch it on a loop and it never gets old. There's it just, uh, you know, there's, it's become such ingrained in the American culture now. Yeah. It's funny, like, even rewatching, like, certain 80s movies, and especially, you know, ones that have like, kids in them, and you see all the Star Wars stuff that they yeah. have, you know? Yeah. <laughs> you know? And now, just 40 years later, it's still talking about it, still have Star Wars toys. And, uh, as we said, you know, Lego sets still. And yeah, I still. I wish still they had those Lego sets know. when I was a kid. Yeah, uh, I wish they had those older um, kids. And even just like the spoofs, like you know, it had the ro- robot chicken and Family Guy yeah. and Lego Star Wars, you know, spoofs that just. Yeah, Star Wars has spawned this whole subgenre of things, and you know, even. It's hard to escape because even, you know, maybe for some of the grumpy people out there, you know, that might dismiss it easily. You know, you make any list of villains, you know, Darth Vader is going to be in the top three. Yeah. Of movie villains. Yeah. You can't escape that because he, he was so well done, classically done. And it's still one of the most perfect trilogies that you have. Because they, they, they all work together so well. They do. They really do. So uh, that is Return of the Jedi. So uh, join us next time for uh, we're going to be doing we're going to be switching gears a little bit and we're going to be moving into the 90s with the big Lebowski. So uh, that should be a good one. That should be a good. Good. Episode. It should be a we great one of that should, movie. And it's, it'll be great. To everyone watch again. should be abiding with that one. Yes. So. Uh, so, it's, yeah, big Lebowski next time. And we will see you then. We'll see you then. Good night, everybody.